in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, the, the Lord's Prayer, we're, we're so familiar with it, and I think it's, it's one of those dangerous things that you hear somebody mention the Lord's Prayer, we say it in church, and our eyes glaze over, and our brothers are in heaven. You know, you could say it in practically a coma, and it's, it's, uh, it doesn't get the attention and the gravitas, the, the heaviness that should go with those things. And when, when uh, we did our little thing a couple of months ago on the Lord's Prayer, that revolutionized my life. I got to tell you, my, my preparing, because it, it I realized you could meditate on those things, and rather than just a perfunctory little reciting of a couple of things, you could you know, think for a while on hallowing his name and uh, all the things that we just zip through too quickly. And uh, of those things that we zip through quickly is the line on, uh, all right, thy kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. In Matthew's rendering, we uh, have a P.S. at the end of the prayer, right after the Amen, in verse 14, where Jesus says, out of nowhere, it seems, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't know about you, but uh, when I hear conditions like that, they, they kind of make me nervous. Uh, I don't want to so presume on my calling and election, on the fact that I'm, I, I know I'm right with God, but I feel like I just can't trample over clear commandments like this. Of all the things in the Lord's Prayer, you know, when he was finished, he didn't say, oh, by the way, don't forget to pray over your food. You know, you, know, you, you stuff your face all the time, and you know, uh, sometimes you're praying in the middle of your food, singing that chorus, bless the Lord, and all that is within me. You know, is he, Pray, pray before you eat. Sometimes you can even pray after you eat. You know, Moses told us to do that. Try that sometime. <laughs> It'll really shake up your dinner party. <laughs> what are you doing this for? We already did this. Pray again. Moses said, after you've eaten, then you're full. That's another sermon. So uh, he didn't talk to, about, about temptation. Boy, what a hairy, crazy thing temptation is. Keep us from the evil one. He said he punctuates the Lord's Prayer by reminding us, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So, I thought for this last thing that we're going to do today, answering the question, Lord, of all the things that you want us to do, and, and I prayed, I knew I'd have five, at the most six things. What are those things that I can give? And these things give us a kind of a short little list of a, of a, of a daily Christian manifesto. If we do these things, if we do justly, love mercy, walk humbly, don't judge people, trust in the Lord, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and forgive people, you're going to have a pretty good life. I think that your life will be less complicated and will have the blessing of the Lord upon it. And isn't that what we really want? We want the blessing of the Lord. Don't we? Okay. Now, the notes. <laughs> Some preachers could just go for hours. I, I need a little paper to get the fire started. <laughs> hopefully, we'll get, hopefully we'll get some fire started here. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? Forgive them. We don't realize, or if we don't realize how f important forgiveness is, we need to think again. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty heavy thing, and I, I already mentioned the Lord's Prayer. I've, I've already gotten ahead of some of my paper notes here. But uh, why do you think the Lord mentioned how important it is for us to forgive people? 
I'm going to tell you why I think it is. And I, this is based on 40 years of ministry and dealing with people, dealing with Christian people. Even Christian people like to hold a grudge. They love to hang on to something. It's like these offenses that are done against us have barbs in them. You know what a barb, like a barbed arrow? Uh, a barbed arrow, it's, it's like barbed wire. But if you've got an arrow and it's got one of those little things on it, it's, it, it makes it harder to pull out. You know, they get stuck in and then ah, you're ripping flesh out when you pull it out. And, and offenses are like that. We get offended, something, the personal ones are the worst. I can't believe what they did. Did you hear what they said? And we just let it fester and uh, it could just get so out of hand and so ugly. And uh, the purpose of this short lesson today is uh, we're going to have to let that stuff go. And I'm going to read uh, when we get close to the end, which may be sooner than usual, but I'm going to read a uh, not that lengthy, maybe about uh, 13, 14 verses of this, uh, uh, based on the P.S. that Jesus added to the end of the Lord's Prayer. He gave us a parable. This is such a strikingly clear parable. It's like, I don't know how anybody can miss the uh, importance of uh, letting things go and forgiving people. Now, as redeemed people, we've been forgiven. I have noticed, just like you, we all love forgiveness to come this way. Yes, Lord, forgive me my debts. And you forget in the Lord's Prayer, he, he even adds a condition in that line. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who transgress against us. So uh, after I did the thing on the Lord's Prayer, I was watching my mentor, Haddon Robinson, preach a message on the Lord's Prayer. And he mentioned something that completely just went over my head when I was studying. He said that line actually presents a condition that when we're praying, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others, what we're saying is, Lord, I want you to deal with me the way I deal with them. That shook me, man. That, that, that shook me to the core because we're very egocentric, self-centered. We love it coming this way, but when it's supposed to go this way, I, I'm not sure I can do that. You don't know what they did to me. Well, do you realize what you did to the Lord? What we did to him is far more offensive, far worse than what other people have done to us. But because it's us, and we're so self-centered, and we just can't let it go. And we hang on to it. And uh, this type of bitterness and unforgiveness has been called the luxury of a grudge. Why is it that we just like to hang on to something? There's something in our rotten, depraved, carnal nature that loves to hang on to bitterness. They did it. I ain't going to forget it. <laughs> you ever hear people say, you don't want to make me mad. You don't want to get on my bad side. <laughs> you know, they might as well have that sign. You remember that comedian, uh, Bill Engvall, he used to give people, here's your sign. <laughs> they need to have a sign. A warning! <laughs> Temporary insanity can ensue at any time. <laughs> you don't want to get on my bed. Warning! <laughs> this guy can go berserk, or this woman can go nuts at any time. <laughs> uh, just, it, we just fly off the handle <laughs> when people make us mad. Now, I understand how hard this is. And usually we say, in uh, little studies like this, man, it's easier to preach this than it is to actually live it out and, and put it in our life. So, so I'm, I'm letting you know, hey, I'm on the same page as you. I know how hard this is, and uh, I know how uncomfortable it makes me, and uh, I'm just trying to make you as uncomfortable as I feel. 
And, and, and I think if I could do that, I've done my job. <laughs> it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's that rotten inner feeling that, oh, God, I'm so horrible. Do you realize what a good thing that is, that you do feel that bad? You know, there's people out there that don't feel that bad. Those are the ones you got to worry about. Those are the people that will go ballistic and do this horrible thing. What happened? Yuvaldi, little Yuvaldi, nobody ever heard of it. Now it'll be known forever for what happened there. So many people in this church have contacts in Yuvaldi. My, my wife and I were married there. Our kids were born there. I grew up the second time there. I, I grew up the first time someplace else, but when I, I was born again, I had to grow up again. I, I grew up the second time in Yuvaldi, so I've, I, I've got some roots there. And it's, uh, it meant a lot to us. I, you know, we haven't lived there in 40 years, but still, you know, we, we grow up is, is kind of, and I grew up second time there. So it's, it's one of those places. So the thing is, uh, don't hang on to the grudge. Uh, you're going to have to let it go. And I'm not the one threatening you. Jesus is the one who's saying, if you can't do this, your Heavenly Father's not going to forgive you. Now, I know we can get into all the things. Well, I'm already saved. And, and, uh, but who of us wants to take a chance of offending Almighty God just because we've got to hang on to something that we won't let go of? It's not a wise decision, really. And it's a luxury, a luxury that we cannot afford. I have to uh, give you a brief testimony here. You know, since the, uh, I, I already told you about the study in the Lord's Prayer, this has really been pressing heavy on me, uh, more than it ever did before. And, uh, you know, as, as things happen to us, it's easy not to. It's easy to do the exact opposite of all these things. It's just natural for us not to do justly, not to love mercy, not to walk humbly with our God. These are things we have to proactively want to make happen in our life. You're just not going to wake up and say, man, I'm, I just feel so full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to deny myself today. <laughs> it's not going to happen like that. The exact opposite will happen. Every, every day you'll wake up with the same dead carcass of your past life, the old self trying to stick his ugly head up and you got to put him down. <laughs> put that old self-nature down. <laughs> Sounds like what you do to a sick dog. Put him down. <laughs> That's what you got to do with your old carnal nature. Put him down. So as I've been, you know, just allowing these things, well, as the Holy Spirit's been pressing them on my heart, I, uh, oh, now I can tell you what I'm thinking. I, uh, <laughs> I forgot there for a moment. I said, what was I talking about? I, said, I saw the do justly, and then it all just, just kind of went, went blurry. So uh, it, it's easy not to do these things, but on top of that, we feel this inner ugly lust to hold a grudge. And uh, for the natural man, there's something about that that just feels right. We can justify it. When, when it has to do with us, it's so easy to justify these things because it's us. When, when, when someone else needs to forgive us, well, they, what's wrong with them? But what is that? Isn't that weird? It's just us. It's part of our fallen nature, and that's why we come to church. That's why we have confession time. That's why we're always praying. That's why when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you really ought to let it sink in what you're talking about. So we're very good at self-justification. And, uh, you know, all the time, advertisers, actually, we're being lied to. They tell you, you deserve this. Buy this property up in the hill country. You deserve it. You know, get this new car. You deserve it. Get this new whatever it is. Get the thing that you deserve. And uh, they're just trying to sell us something, and they tell us we deserve it. <laughs> the only thing we deserve is judgment and uh, God's wrath. 
and he's good enough to let some of us slide. So uh, we're told all the time, you deserve this, you deserve that. And <laughs> you know, the only thing that makes self-justification worse or more complicated, I think, is a seminary education. Am I right, Ron? <laughs> we know the ropes. We can just, we got a little bit of an education. Now, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, we got to leave Bible verses, what about this? And uh, still wrong. If you're justifying yourself, if the, if the uh, ends, at, after the end of all of our theological gyration inside of our minds, results in us hanging onto a grudge and not forgiving someone, even though we could somehow theologically justify it, you're still wrong. So, here's the Sunday school lesson. Forgive them. Let it go. Man, don't hang on to something that uh, is going to end up biting you in the end. You know, somebody once said that uh, bitterness and unforgiveness, it is the acid that only corrodes the container it's stored in. You realize that when we hold a grudge, when we won't forgive someone, that doesn't do anything to them. It only does something to you and me. They're not affected. I got to tell you, I, I had a friend, I guess he's still a friend, I just don't hear from him much, uh, who uh, had been greatly offended by some members of his own family. You know, his, his parents died and he had a couple of brothers. And I mean, his, his family, they, I think one of his brothers actually somehow legally stole his house from him. Anyway, this guy had some problems. And I remember I, I, as I was getting to know him and I was a pastor at the time, he knew I was a pastor. And uh, I, I was showing him a little devotional book actually by the same title of this, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and he, he's going through the table of contents and he got to the, the chapter heading that said, forgive them. And he, his eyes got right to that. He said, well, I got a problem with that. And I said, you know, you do have a problem. Now, I don't know. I think he was thinking that he was going to have a problem with me because I said, you got a problem with that. But I had to quickly remind him, hey, buddy, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with the Lord. The fact that you have a problem with that, but th his d deep inner offenses were so rooted. Talk about barbs, man. I mean, <laughs> it was well ingrained and it just wasn't coming out and he was justified. And, uh, you know, you hear people say things uh, connected to their bitterness and unforgiveness that, uh, you know, you wonder, man, what's wrong with you? Haven't you ever recited the Lord's Prayer? Didn't you ever read what Jesus said after that? How can we hang on to these petty things that to us are so big, but what we want the Lord to forgive us for, it's nothing. And I'm going to read you the, uh, the Bible proverb, the words of Jesus himself, that prove to us how insignificant our forgiveness is compared to what the Lord has done for us. So, how are we doing so far? We're doing okay on time. So, uh, yeah, all right, I got to my friend there, uh, bad example. Uh, everybody's good for something, right? <laughs> Even if it's a bad example. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know people like that. <laughs> they're, they're good. And you know, I got to tell you something, people don't pay attention in church. We can grow up in church. I grew up in church. I wasn't paying attention when I was younger. I got enough on me to when I went on my temporary insanity of prodigal ramblings. Uh, I, I never got out from under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to be a prodigal son when your mother's always reminding you, I named you after the best of the New Testament and the best of the Old. Paul David, the Apostle Paul and King David. I had that hanging over my head. You know how hard it is to party with those names hanging over your head? 
I did it, <laughs> but it wasn't easy. I had a fight through it, and I eventually shook off the conviction. But it's not a good thing. But the point I'm trying to make is that people don't pay attention in church. They come, they hear stuff like this. Maybe they're thinking about who's, who's going to be in the NBA playoffs and the baseball World Series and the football. You know, we, we have all these distractions. There are financial problems, family situations. We have all these things that distract us. And uh, I heard about this one preacher. He was... Uh, I said, well, it was something that happened in a church. This guy was up there preaching. The problem in churches is abject ignorance and apathy. Ignorance, abject ignorance and apathy. And these two guys were sitting on the back row, obviously not paying attention. One guy said to his friend, what's he talking about? And the other guy said, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people are in church. They're just, you know, they're, they're hearing stuff. They don't know and they don't care. And I'm telling you, these are the words of life. This is the bread of life. This ought to be what we feed on. I mean, when we come to church and we, and we hear the preaching of the word or, you know, we're just discussing it in an informal setting like this, it ought to feed our soul. And something on the inside ought to say, oh, God, you satisfy me. You satisfy. He is the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's everything. Oh, we love to make a big deal out of Jesus. All right, I think we're at the point of our lesson now where I will have you turn, if you would like to, to Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to read, I'm going to read, and you could read along with me if you want. And I'm reading out of the authorized Paul and Silas version, which you'll readily recognize as the original King James, the one that Paul and Silas used. We all know that. And <laughs> Yeah, surely you've heard that before. That's, that's, oh, oh, you've never heard that before? Some people actually believe that. <laughs> they, their church history just doesn't go back far enough. <laughs> they, just, they think it started in 1611 with the King James translation. And if it's, it's the one that we grew, uh, some of us grew up with, and, and uh, actually it's the only one that I have access to in my phone. I probably have 40 other translations. I just don't know how to get to them. So... <laughs> I'm just going to stick with the one that comes up when I pull up Matthew chapter 18. It's, it's the only version that comes up. I'm sure my wife or my daughter can help me find the... I know they're in there. I just can't find them. Okay, this is Matthew chapter 18. I want you to hear. And you know what? Even though we don't do this in the middle of a lesson, I want us to pray one more time that the Lord will soften our hearts and give us ears to hear. You know, we're reading the words of Jesus. If there was ever a time we should be sober-minded, straight-thinking, and undistracted, it should be when we're reading this. I want you to pray with me. Father, thank you, Lord, for being so good to us and helping us to prepare for the judgment that's coming. And Lord, give us ears to hear and soften our hearts, O Lord, that we would hear with that inner ear inside of us, Lord, the desires that you have for us to make us serve you better and be better witnesses and testimony for all of what you've done for us, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here it is. Matthew chapter 18. Peter, don't you love Peter? <laughs> then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall I forgive my brother sin against me and forgive him? Till seven times? <laughs> Peter had a short ruler. Come on, seven times. I think some ancient rabbi said maybe three might be enough. Peter said, I'm going to double it and add one. Seven, the number of absolute perfection. Seven times, would that be enough? Then can I waylay the daylights out of them? <laughs> and Jesus said in verse 22, this is Matthew chapter 18, verse 22. 
And Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. You don't even have to be good with math. You know, you, you can tell real fast. 490 times. And the idea there is not that we keep a record. <laughs> Honey, you're up to 375. <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide. <laughs> what was that? 380. And you know, no, it, it just, no, that's not the idea. Do you want the Lord to keep tabs on you the same way? I trow not. <laughs> that's more Paul and Silas version language. I trow not. I don't think so. Therefore, Jesus, right after he says 70 times 7, this is verse 23, Matthew 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. This is, this is incredible, what just happened here. And of course, you know where we're going with this. And the reason why I'm reading this, this is illustrative. This is an illustration of God's unspeakable forgiveness to us. He paid the debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. We needed someone to take our sins away. That's a chorus, by the way, that we used to sing all the time. And now I sing Amazing Grace all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I can never. That's what this story is really about. But that same servant, and this is so much like us, that's why we can all readily identify with it. Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and they came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father also do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Is this clear enough? Now, without getting into mathematical equations and everything, there are, and of course there are varying scales that people measure the 10,000 talents and the 100 pence, but several times I've heard that this comparison here was like, like $15 million that this guy owed, which is an incredible, insurmountable debt that he could never pay. $15 million. And then he goes, turns around and grabs this guy who owes him 15 bucks. Something like that. You know, give or take a couple of shekels. You know, we're not being precise here. Grabs him by the throat. The point here is that our forgiveness that we receive from the Lord compared to what we are expected to show unto our brothers, is like a million to one. Is that astronomical enough for us to wrap our heads? A million to one! 
The Lord said, I want you to forgive. What did Carson say? Let him slide. Of course, Jim never said anything. I'm just looking at him, that sweet, angelic face. He never said anything. But if he did, I'm going to forgive him because I love him. And by the way, when you love people, it's a whole lot easier to forgive them. Love them. Yeah, but I don't want to. Love them anyway. <laughs> the Lord loves you, and he knows how unlovable you are. So, that's the deal. A million, a million to one. We really have no, uh, we have no excuse. But it's because we're carnal and selfish and meat-headed. You know, that's what carnally-minded means. You're a meathead. Uh, that's literal. Dr. Skates, isn't that right? Carnal. It's, it, you're, you're a meathead. Uh, the, the, those of us who know a little Spanish words, carne, carne gozada, chili con carne, carne is meat in Spanish. So if you're carnally minded, you're a bona fide meathead. And uh, you, your thinking is limited, and, 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 and you can't see beyond. Uh, I was thinking of that quote of. Uh, A.W. Tozier, I, I mentioned it Thursday morning at our men's breakfast. Uh, Tozier said that people who do not live with a constant uh, awareness that their lives are to be lived under the will of God and under his glorious rule and reign, he said their lives are no more significant than that of a mud turtle. That is good. I wish I would have said that. that that's, that's, there's a lot of things I wish I would have said. <laughs> I just quote those that are quote worthy. This, this is really not hard for us to understand. And by the way, just, let me introduce something else here, give you something to think about. I was talking to a Catholic priest one time, and, you know, we love to get Catholic priests and <laughs> throw them up against the wall and, tell me this! <laughs> How dare you! And uh, I, I, was, uh, I, I was in Bible school at the time, and boy, I was just full of it. <laughs> And I, uh, I had all these Bible facts, and uh, this priest comes up, and I said, tell me about purgatory, what you? And, and he actually quoted this verse that's right here that we just read in verse 34. And he said, his Lord was wroth and delivered him to his tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So that's, that's one of the verses that the Catholics use to justify uh, purgatory. I wouldn't put a lot of stake on that. I, I wouldn't put a lot of hope on that, but that's, that's one of the verses that they use. And, of course, purgatory didn't come up until, I think, the 12th century. And uh, boy, didn't they turn that into a cash cow. Boy, praying grandma out of purgatory. They built St. Peter's Basilica. And, <laughs> and by the time Tetzel, you know, old twisted Tetzel, the pretzel, uh, he, you know, he had all of his uh, twisted uh, stuff going on. Luther said, I had about, enough, about as much as I could handle. And <laughs> that was it. Luther got mad and uh, quit the church, went out and found him a nun, got married and had six kids. So he... Uh, <laughs> He was fruitful and went out to <laughs> populate the world. So everything was good. Uh, you can do this. You can do this. The Lord would never ask us to do something that we couldn't do. And he gives us stories and illustrations. And I don't like to say that he hangs a threat over our head. But I'll tell you what, if we don't fear God when we read verses like this, let's say, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Who of us wants to take that chance? Really, that's, that's, not, a, that's not something that uh, we should want to do. Now, you're going to take up next week for the month of June, correct? Okay. And, Sishan, you went to your valley yesterday. Uh, what'd you find? I found a very beautiful home on West Strong. 
Oh. And there's a plaque there. A plaque there that oh, there's a plaque there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, it didn't say anything about back taxes, did it? Okay. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> That's been 40 years ago. Could you imagine what I'd owe now? If I owe 200 bucks back then, that would yeah, have 150,000 now. They're still making the historical marker. They're what? They're still making the historical marker. Oh, they are? Yes. yes, okay. Well, you've got quite an imagination, my brother. You, you should, uh, nothing that he said is true. <laughs> Except that there is a house on Front Street that we lived in 40 years ago. Yes, yes, custom made. So, uh, your, your, uh, your work, you... Uh, you sent me back a picture of a big hairy guy on a motorcycle. <laughs> He's from Leiter, by the way. Really? Yeah. You know, Bob. you know what? I think I know him. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to pull up that picture now, but we're we're still concentrating on forgiving others their debts. So. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, what a what a what a horrendous thing, and you know, think what you want, but the president of the United States is going to be there today, and I hope some comfort is felt. Uh, we know that our comfort really comes from the Lord and that the Lord knows what's going on. He's allowing us to see the unraveling of our culture and society. We're reaping the whirlwind. What was it, 50, 60 years ago? We said, God, out of public schools. This is, this is part of the result of that. You want to kick God out of everywhere? And then people say, where, where was God when this happened? Well, you kicked him out 60 years ago. You know, we, we don't want him to have, have any part of our public life. We just want to let our freak flag fly and do whatever we want and be as uh, perverted and weird and cross-gendered and all this confusion, this mass confusion. The Lord is still in control, not worried about anything. When we pray, as most of us will pray in the next service, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's not telling us to pray that because he needs help in getting it done. It's already going to happen. He just wants us to be part of it. That's the way that goes. Okay. Are there any questions? Yes, sir. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Bill. Okay. Let us conclude with a word of prayer, unless there's any other questions. Anybody want to confess any uh, grudges you've been? Uh, this would be a good time to do it. We'll be compassionate. Yeah. Oh, Ron. <laughs> Got a problem with somebody? <laughs> Boy. Right. Mm -hmm. 
superintendent witnessed a SS guard beat her sister to death right in front of her. Uh -huh. And Corey Kendon was released from the concentration camp on a clerical error. Uh -huh. He got out. And then after the war, my mother actually heard her tell the story. She said, I was giving a talk at a church in Germany. Uh -huh. It was a Sunday night type thing. Corey Ten Boom was giving the the, the speech on forgiveness. forgiveness. All right. And then there was a line of people coming up to shake her hand after the talk, and she was just greeting them. And then all of a sudden, she saw in the line that SS guard. Uh -huh. He didn't. He didn't know who she was. Mm -hmm. That's heavy. Uh -huh. And she said, I just had to surrender to Christ. Amen. And she said, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then finally he came and she grasped both his hands. I'm so glad you're here for me. Amazing grace. And so that was a life changing moment. Hallelujah. You had to forgive it, it was a life changing moment for her. Yeah. He never knew. Right. He just went on. That's, that's the deal. I mean, you know, for. for for people that we refuse to forgive, it, it doesn't do anything to them. It just does something to us. You know, that reminds me of one other testimony. 25 years ago, we built a house that we've been living in ever since. And construction jobs are notorious for misunderstandings and things going wrong. And we had a, a, a contractor that wasn't all there. I don't mean mentally, but maybe that too. But, but he, he was only there like one, once every three days. He really wasn't watching. Anyway, we got the house built. But I had, for a solid year, and, and I'm just, this is embarrassing to confess this, I was a pastor, but I had a grudge. I, I, I was just bitter for the things that I felt were wrong, and I paid for things that weren't done right. And I, long story short, a year later, I got prayed through. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm tired. And I went to that guy, and I said, you know, I just want everything to be all right between, you know, because he knew that there was friction. And I can't tell you the load that came off of me was so glorious. I can't tell you. Nothing was happening to that guy during that year. It was eating me up. And I was so glad because I followed the Lord's instructions and I just let it go. And that's just, uh, you know, the Lord's for us. He doesn't want any of us to be carrying around a load and a burden that we were not meant to be carrying anyway. So, man, let it go. Surrender it. You know, we, it's, it, this, this, for forgiving them. The reason why we don't do this is because we're, we're really judging people. We think the Lord can't handle it. We're not trusting in the Lord. We're certainly not denying ourselves. We're not doing justice. We're not loving mercy. You violate all these things if you blow this one. So, there you go. Let that weigh on your head as you pray the Lord's Prayer today. God forbid that we hang on to something that the Lord is saying, for the sake of my son who did everything he did for you, let those things go. And let these people know that you're being forgiven. Just like Corey Ten Boom. Thank you, Ron. That's a powerful testimony. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace 
and your love and your mercies that are new every morning that enable us, Lord, to be the people you want us to be. Lord, help us to live lives that are pleasing to you as we're getting ready to stand in your presence and give account for every idle word and every emotional thing that we hang on to. Lord Jesus Christ, for your glory we pray. Let our hearts be pure in your sight, and it's in your name that we agree together. Amen. Amen. Amen.